I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. Just wave to me and say, wow. wow. Say it backwards. Wow. Say it upside down. You're doing well. Wow. Wow. I just want to do maybe take some moments and just look at all these drunk people. And uh, even for some of you that are maybe not familiar with this, I just thought about uh, the, the story when one of the ladies was just laughing over here. It just took me back to 1995 as a young Baptist pastor. This was before Dr. Randy Clark had prayed for me. And I was invited by one of my elders to go on a little trip to London. And the renewal in Toronto just hit in 94. So this was in May of 94. And I was ready with my notebook and I was going to learn there. I was a good Baptist pastor. I was sitting there. And this lady behind me, I mean, she had, she had one of those laughter. I don't know what, soprano laughter or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it was loud and it was right behind my ear. And I'm a Norwegian. This is my second language, English. And I was like, I was trying to listen to the teacher and take notes. I couldn't hear a thing. All I could hear, that was laughter. And uh, I was going to meet with this pastor afterwards. I was trying to figure out... <laughs> So finally, it was asked me how I thought things was because, well, some unusual things that we were not used to in my Baptist church. And, but it really touched me because, again, I was, I was a little offended and I was describing to him that, hey, I was trying to take notes and trying to learn. I was trying to, I was trying to get this. I didn't realize it was trying to get me, but anyway. <laughs> and then he said, oh, let me tell you the story. The lady behind you, you're describing... Uh, I mean, she had had severe depression for over 46 years. And uh, the husband has never seen her laugh or smile. And uh, so with a bipolar disease, she was actually five years old when she was sexually abused and went through some horrific things and really heavily medicated. And then when the presence of Jesus came in and the love came in and went into those deepest areas, touched the five-year-old girl and went through her life and went through her life. And just set her free. And since then, she has not been able to stop laughing. And I looked at his kind of introvert husband, and he was kind of just smiling and laughing in the background as he was seeing his wife. He was so full of joy. And I decided at that moment, this is the last time I'm trying to judge something I don't understand. Uh, so I'm just even just encouraging when we're in this environment and God is moving and whoa, and God is God. And I've had so many unusual experiences since because when we just start to recognize and we react differently, there's times that I'm just weeping. There's other times I'm laughing. There's other times I just want to be still. And you're going to see that there's a lot of unusual things. And even on Pentecost, they look like they were drunk. And there's a reason for it. They looked like they were drunk. That means they looked like they were drunk. And it was in the middle of the day. And finally, Peter had to explain that is not exactly what's taking place. But the byproduct of that was there was a major transformation that took place in people's life. And I still remember right after Randy Clark had to pray for me, I had the honor of going to a biker club. Like this was like these prospect of Hell's Angels. And, 
and I was going to go there and, <laughs> and witness. And again, I had my notes and I had this powerful illustration that I was going to. I was going to start with this illustration. I practiced to say it and then what worried and I had the outline. I was so ready and I came up there to these guys. And I mean, these hard bikers was in this room, dark room. I can still see it. And I was standing up there, was ready with this. I'm going to get their attention. I'm about to talk and try. And suddenly somebody said, the preacher is drunk. And I was like, I'm the Baptist pastor. And I was trying to hold on to something that could hold on to me. And I didn't have no clue. I was not used to it. I mean, what was going on? <laughs> and then the, it was like the presence just started to have to remove in there. And half of the room was just laughing. And then the other one didn't understand what was going on. It hadn't moved there yet. And I'm standing there. But that day also 19 people just got saved without a preacher or maybe with a drunk preacher. It was almost like God said, and, and I've I just been feeling this, this incredible, from I walked in here and, and even, even tonight, sometimes you don't even know if you wanted to speak because there's these holy moments and other times you just want to be on your floor and your face before him. It is this one thing I desire, this one thing I long for. I just want to be in his presence. And the leaders that was with me earlier this morning know that I had a season for five months I did not experience his presence. And it is the darkest moment of my life. If you have his presence, you have everything. But if you have everything and you don't have his presence, you have nothing. And so I'm just saying, don't take it for granted that his presence is in his house. And let us just host the dove in this place. And then I know we were just talking, uh, Jeff and I earlier, we have a lot of common friends around. And, but I still remember so clearly, it just came to my spirit. I whoa, was in Huntsville Airport and I just sat in my car. This is about... I don't know how many years ago, but it's quite a few years ago. I make a call while I'm in the car. And then the presence of Jesus coming in. And it is Christopher Olson. He is in Ankeny, Iowa. So he is a spiritual son. And Christopher said, hello, Papa Leif. And I'm on the phone. And, I, and suddenly I feel I'm driving. And it's getting a little <laughs> unsafe. But in the next moment, I just hear clunk. And I think there's something wrong with the phone or bad line or anything. I found out later on that while we were just on the phone, the presence of God hit Christopher. And he's out. Hello, hello. I thought, this is pretty rude. <laughs> later on, I heard that Christopher came up on the floor like, what happened? Oh, there's staff meeting. This is Hotland. It used to be Assembly of God Church. He's kind of going in and Laura is there. The second he walks by her, boom, she falls off. He thought, this is strange. He comes in and Dave Olson that you just texted yesterday. They came in and Dave Olson, boom, all of them are out in the spirit in a staff meeting. And so I'm supposed to be there that Sunday night. And guess what? You didn't have to do a lot of announcements. So you didn't have, there was actually a line of people coming into the building. And, and I, there was one of these holy moments where I had just had, I was, I share with Jeff, that's where we had the first creative miracle the year before when Renee, who was, everybody in the community knew who she was, paralyzed, sitting in a wheelchair. And I'm not going to go into that story, but just, I said, Renee, what would you like Papa to do for you? She said, I want him to heal my orphan spirit. 
I thought she said, I, I wanted to dance. I wanted to do something. And everybody knew she sat there at Hartland in his wheelchair. And, and then in the next moment, I just put Papa's love and poured in because she said, I've been praying for And she mentioned all the names, actually. She had been with Bill Johnson and Randy Clark and myself in a meeting. And she said, I've been in a meeting with all of you guys. Also, you pray for me, but nothing happened. And if he is such a good father and I'm loved by him. And she would say, I feel more like an orphan than a beloved daughter. And I just released the Father's love. And, and I, I didn't have much faith. My faith level was very little. And, and then I, I was a little tired. I prayed for, you know, Dave Olsen had just lost one child. And then he had another child with cerebral policy. And we were just, that's the lead pastor. And I was praying for his daughter. And, and so it was almost like you're praying for these people. And you hadn't seen so much. And if I was over there overseas, I knew. But there was something in me. It says, it's time for this to happen in America. Not just where I'm going in Africa or the Middle East. So there was this ache in my heart. God, please. But I was standing before Renee. And just, this is your daughter. And we released this baptism of love. And I just got this little faith. And I had a word of faith guy that kind of rebuked me afterwards. <laughs> but, but a little faith that I have. <laughs> I went in and I said, Renee, let us believe to God that God is going to heal you. And we believe that because she had just experienced in the love. We're going to just ask for one little thing. And I'm honest. I looked at her body as she's sitting in this wheelchair. And I looked what I thought looked the easiest for God. <laughs> so I saw one hand look at the bird. I said, okay, can you move your hand at all? She said, no, let's pray for your fingers to move. And I'm praying, nothing happened. I declare nothing happened. There's healing in the covenant. Nothing happened. Healing in kingdom. Do you talk? I mean, nothing happened. And I had said to her, you're going to see one inch. Do we believe just one inch movement? And then eventually I was like, Whew. my faith level was lower and lower. And suddenly, boop, she started to move. I said, can we believe in the hand? Then it was the hand. Can we lift the arm? Dave Olsen was there and people had left the meeting. It was late. They take the kids. They went in. This was in the end of the meeting. I could still see where I was standing. And I'm just putting this together because I feel there's something, the same, whoa, same atmosphere, the same feeling that I felt that day. And so Renee, 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 whoa, Renee, her father was an evangelical free elder and everything else. But she, she was sitting there. And the next moment I said, Dave, uh, Dave Olson, I said, put your hands here. Because I put my hand, you could feel the waves going up and down. Then I say, no pulling her up. She says, can you stand up? And eventually stood up and we took one little step and another step. She walked down up and then walked down the aisle. And then eventually Renee with all the kids, they were running. And my ministry team was the children. Yay! And Renee ran around the building, up and down at Heartland. And that's... And that started something, it did something, and I just exploded on the inside. So a year later, we came in there, and God visited us. And I'm saying that just, I don't know why that came, but it was just in my spirit. God visited us there. So I came in, and the service, and God just moved. And I said, the meeting was so good, at least eight of them, I didn't speak at all. It was very good. It was just like, you're just learning to see what's... One moment, there's people that are experiencing rain in that building. And the next moment, you just feel that the, the glory came in. And I still remember one person, he just stood up in a meeting and said, my father has Alzheimer, And he had his cell phone. He's in Arkansas. And at that moment, the power of God just hit him and he gets healed from Arkansas. <laughs> Rumors started to spread. People started to drive seven hours, ten hours to come. They are hearing what God is doing. And morning went to evening. And, and I'm calling Papa Jack. Papa Jack, what am I supposed to do? 
And then Papa Jack would just with his with his wisdom just do what God is doing. <laughs> well, Papa Jack, what do you see God is doing? <laughs> so I was just trying, how do we steward this? How do we host it? How do we, uh, do you know, because I'm supposed to be with, actually supposed to be with Randy Clark in Phoenix right afterwards and another city and another city and we stood there and morning went to night and it was just incredible. A couple of testimony. One is, guy was playing the guitar up. The worship team was out. Actually, Dave and I was just laying on the floor. We were out. And in the end, after hours, a God just working while we were resting. An environment was starting to change. Prodigal sons was coming home. People were just thinking about someone and they suddenly got touched. Angelic visitation, creative miracles started happening. It was just a precious, precious time. The reason I was saying that a few weeks ago, the same experience encounter I had just had a few weeks ago again of the glory that came in. So I'm just sensing there's an appetite for me. Not about having visitation, but habitation. To have a culture that can change culture. To be able to have a family that can host this. And the hard part back then, and we've talked many times since, it was a beautiful visitation. And we often talk about it. But Steve, that was out. When we came up late at night, and, and then Steve, the, the guy, he looked like a ghost. And I was going to try to see, can you share a testimony or something? Because I could see he had an encounter. But he just walked right out. And I thought, that is rude. I mean, this guy, is, he, wouldn't, he would just like, Whoa. And the next day when we came back again, and it was another service and another glory. And I had an opportunity to say, hey, tell me what happened. He said, last night, he said, when we, when we were there in the glory. But what people didn't know, when I was in high school, my girlfriend got pregnant. And pretty much I forced her to do an abortion. And I knew I should always have had a daughter. I can't remember the name, but she would have been an Amy. We have three boys now. And he said, but I knew I should always had a daughter. But while I was in a meeting, I'd gone to Zozo and RTF, all these inner healing streams. But that day while I was in a meeting, moment my spirit lifted up above the location. And suddenly I'm in this room. And then Jesus is there and he opens up this door and says, come, I'm going to take you in and I want you to meet your daughter. Whoa. And then she came and said, I forgive you, dad. And would you dance with me? And he was, dan <laughs> he was dancing with his girl. In heaven, and eventually, by the time his spirit came back, I mean, he was totally healed after all these some 20 some years. And all, we had all these incredible experiences of encounters. When he shows up, good things happen. So I'm just, I'm saying that just also because your palates is getting ready for what he's serving. He's preparing our palates for hunger and thirst. I do, I do feel there's a direction we're going to go, and it's not the interruption, but I just, the message today, I just want to do, be very honest and real with my family, because I see this as a family. I feel that uh, Austin, there's a gift for me to be back again. I, I met some people, I think John, that was the worship leader at, uh, uh, where's John? They're back there, wow. Yeah, and, and I used to come here quite often over the years and on the Church of the Hills and even contact some of the people there and started to see also that I still remember some of the love moving in and into the offices and we just had this amazing thing and Lance Bain was one that had an encounter with Papa's love and many of the other board leaders and it was such a precious time in Austin and, and now it's been a long time since I've been there. But I wanted to share with you that 
I was home after, first we had been in Afghanistan and Pakistan and just, we had one incident after the other. And every single time I had a Sabbath, the enemy was attacking. I don't know if you've realized that, that there's such a war against rest. I mean, you, you try to plan something, rest, because you know that resting is receiving, resting is becoming. And so I just realized there's such a war. So 11 Sabbaths, something happened every time I have a day of rest, there's like war and you those things you couldn't control that had happened. So I had been in the Middle East and been on one battlefield and after the other one, I was just like, I'm tired. And then I was sitting, and this is kind of a setup for the message. And I was just sitting by myself. And finally, I decided to do my heart test and ask my heart, not my brain. But I asked my heart, heart, what do you feel right now? And my heart said, I am lonely and I am sad. And I thought it's strange. I'm around people like this. Pretty much every night, travel from city to city, country to country, being around crowds consistently. So why would I feel this? I'm by myself at home. Make the story short that the week before uh, that I had just decided that was my first Sabbath, that I finally go out and I told my wife I have this nice electrical bicycle, red electric, and I'm going down those golf carts roads and then this demonized squirrel shows up. <laughs> Zoom! And then it came back and right into the front, 35 miles an hour. I hit, fly over. So I have this nice memory stone here. So I'm in the emergency room, cut up, bleeding. And it was that one day. So, so, so now a week afterwards, my body is beaten up. There was a spiritual storm. There was an emotional storm. And there was a physical storm. I don't know if you've been there. And sometimes Jesus, he brings his pillow in the middle of those storms. And you just have to be aware what storms we are in in this season. Because there's one storm where Jesus is in a boat and he is asleep. And at that moment, you need to bring your pillow. Because the safest place you can be is rest. And the problem we've done in the first part of the storm, because there's two storms going on. I'm not preaching that right now. I'm warming up my voice. And I have to land because we're going to have all the, at least parents, Remember to pick up your children at 8.30 to honor all of the workers there. And then you can bring them in. But I'm just sensing that. So anyway, so this storm was going on. And I, had, I was trying to throw water over the boat and dealing with the wind that was around. All the storms. While Jesus says, let us go to the other side. Amen. And if he spoke, let us go to the other side. It's an impossibility for you to drown in the middle of the storm. So you have to remember the word he gave you before the storm. It doesn't matter what the circumstances, he said, let us go. But the second of all, watch what Jesus is doing. And in this storm, Jesus goes and the Bible says, bring his cushion or pillow. And he falls asleep. <laughs> Why is he asleep when we are drowning? Have you been there? I had some of those prayer meetings. <laughs> Jesus, don't you care? Do you see my body? Do you see what's going on? And so I asked my heart, what do you feel? And then in that moment... I just started to weep because this message came out of that. And, and I just realized, wow, I had just lost one other, actually, Texas partner. I had somebody financially that was behind helping us uh, where I can then step in and show up if it is Afghanistan, Taliban, Muslim leaders, different things I was doing. But COVID happened and things happened with his business was shut down and realized just some of that was taken away. And then I was just reflecting. Then Todd Bevan was my armor bearer who traveled with me for 15 years everywhere we went. Then he ended up with stage four cancer. 
Then I fought for his life for two years and we lost him. And now I'm taking care of Wendy and the children. And then Bob Phillips, that many of you know, he was my covenant friends. We did everything together. We traveled. He was at Encourager Church in Houston, Texas, and he went through things. And then I walked with him every day for two years, and then eventually he died. And then I had Papa Jack in my life. Every day I called Papa Jack for 22 years. We did everything together, and Papa Jack was there before I went to the Middle East, before I met with radical leaders, before I did anything, Papa Jack was there. And I, he prayed over me. Even I would have called him before a meeting like this, just Papa Jack, because he reminded me just to be a son. Yeah. And then many of you know that the story is... Uh, came home again from the Middle East, had just won some battle. And sometimes there is a battle you fight after the battle you won. And sometimes there's a battle you fight before the battle you win. So you just have to be aware of that because you are about eight months pregnant here. And there's some people that feel like we're about to abort what God has given us. Because of the discomfort. But when you're holding baby, it's going to be worth it. And I know some of the ladies understand. I don't, but, but we have four children. So I'm just saying that you're pregnant and you feel this place is pregnant in the air and what's going on here. So I'm putting this together. So I, was, I landed in New York City totally exhausted. I have a seven-day Sabbath week. And when I landed in New York, Frida, Mama Frida, Papa Jack's wife just, hey, you need to come to Florida. There's a text. Then my wife, because all these, you've been on the airplane. I'm exhausted. I'm going to go home to rest. I've been on the battlefield. We survived. We made it. Many coming home with a little PTSD and being on trauma, being on the front line and near death constantly. But you go night and day and then you arrive. It's going to be peace. And then I'm heading down to Florida. Went into the hospital room, Papa Jack. And Papa Jack, he is there and it's very helpless. They have the machines on. This is in Florida during the time that you're not allowed to walk only one person into the hospital, not even the room. So I went in with my mask and I saw my papa there and I, I, I was sure he's going to come back. We've been together for the last 22 years, every day. Nobody's closer. We do vacations together. They're over. We have New Year together. I mean, everything. We've done life. And I'm there, papa, papa. And nothing is happening. Oh, oh. And finally, one moment, the second time I came in, Papa Jack, uh, I got the chance that afternoon. I still remember Friday afternoon. I'm there night and day. But at that second moment in the afternoon, but I said, Papa, what is your favorite message? He said, Mo Moses and the rod. Son, lay it down. And it was the last word he spoke. And next 24 hours, I'm in the hospice and with him and kisses him goodbye. And then sitting there with afterwards when they put some makeup and he looked so... Me and Frida, we were sitting there with him and just kissed him, Papa, Papa, and said goodbye. But something else happened in that moment. I said, Papa Jack, Papa Jack, if you need to go home, I want you to know. And he was kind of wrestling with all his machine. If you want to go home, if you want to go home to Jesus, I will take care of Mama Frida. And suddenly this peace filled the room. And the atmosphere changed. I feel, as I say, until now I didn't know which message I was going to preach. <laughs> so I'm going to live from tears to laughter and fun. And, but at that moment, I want you to follow me for a moment. But then I remember very clearly John chapter 19. 
let's open up a Bible to make this meeting legal. <laughs> I, I know yesterday I quoted a lot of scriptures, but I forgot to open up the book. <laughs> and I know there was somebody one time that got very offended with me because, and then somebody else went on Facebook, but he quoted 146 scripture verses. <laughs> But he didn't open it up, so I'll make sure to open up today. John chapter 19. I am heading somewhere, and Micah knows that clearly because we, wow, there's several things in my spirit, but I just sense that I want just to stay with this. And wow, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, say mother, and his mother's sister Mary, sister Mary say Mary which was the life, wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to his disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. We're going to just ponder here for a few moments. But these verses was very precious to me. And the moment when Papa Jack, the peace came into the room, who will take care of my mother? And I take you back a few years back because a little bit of where I had had this battle fatigue, which is pretty common for me. <laughs> Part of my mind, I'm at three. But <laughs> so I've been in battle. Sometimes there's, as I say, battle after battle, and you're coming home and you try to rest to go to the next one. This one was one of those. My emotional tank was low. I was doing an event in Colorado because this is how this came about. So I'm giving you the story behind the story. So I'm in Colorado, and uh, people like Georgian and Heidi Baker and Shayon were doing this a big event. And it was one of those mornings I did not want to go. And Heidi was coming the next day. Even the guy that was so excited to pick her up at his old car, but he forgot gas. And he, she had traveled all the way from Africa. It was like all these things like. And then they showed up and there was no suitcase for her. And she was going to speak. And that night, I mean, we were there until Heidi couldn't. I mean, we just have to carry her out. And then, and they said, well, tomorrow we have Dr. Leif Hetland. And he, he led a million Muslims to the Lord. And all those things. And I'm like, I have no oil. And I smell flesh. I'm not anointed, I'm annoying. <laughs> and people are annoying to me. <laughs> Touch me, bless me, fill me. And I'm like, ooh. And I knew I'm in trouble. So that afternoon, I'm just being honest with you, I'm heading up to my room and I'm like, I need to prepare because there's expectation and all these people are coming. And so I'm going up to my room and I try to open my Bible. I can't get anything. So I pray in the spirit. Oh, nobody see me in my room. I'm desperate for you. There's something dysfunctional in your relationship with Papa if you're desperate. Ask my children or my wife if she's desperate for me. But chair number two, that's where I was at. And I don't have any oil. I have nothing to give. I even remember one person, poor, poor guy. I was helping Heidi. And then a poor guy come, hey, could you pray for me? I said, okay, I will pray, but I will impart flesh if you want flesh. <laughs> uh, no thanks. I was like, <laughs> there was no spirit. I was like, I have... I burned oil and oil and oil. I've been on empty for so long and now it's like empty of empty. And I have not been with Jesus. 
I've been doing all of these things for Jesus, but not had time to do it from him. And I was broken. And it was the day before Mother's Day, and that didn't help me at all. And I feel this pain. So I'm in my room, so I realize it's sad that I'm homesick. I miss my wife and kids. I've been going from city to city and country to country. And I think I was supposed to go from there to Minneapolis. And so I was like, huh. event after event, and realize you don't have any oil. And it's so painful. And I'm alone there in the room and just praying and trying to do it. And then I thought, this, let's do some soaking. That usually works. I'm looking at my watch. Hey, it doesn't work. There's no oil. <laughs> Finally, I'm getting more and more desperate. I'm looking at a watch and knowing my session is coming up. And in the middle of all of that, I realize, ah, oh, I have a word of knowledge. Let me call my mother. Maybe then the dove will come back. So I call my mother. Hello, mor. Gratulerer med dagen. Jeg savner deg så mye, mor. Og spesielt denne kaka med gule krem. Don't look at me. I thought you were spirit-filled. Oh, okay. <laughs> let, me, let me translate for you then if you... I have the gift of interpretation. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you so much. and I miss you. I wish I could be there. And especially that almond cake with yellow cream. And a cup of coffee. I'm just like... Oh, that would fill up my emotional tank. And then I call my wife. Honey, I just miss you. I've been gone too long. And I miss the kids. And... Just have, and I just sat there and kind of wept. And then there was this whisper of a voice that says, Leif, Leif, could I entrust you with my mother? I, can't, I rebuked that voice. I'm trying to listen. <laughs> I know I'm a little too much mama stuff going on here, but I talked to my mom and talked to my wife, and it's like, Settle this issue, maybe call a spiritual mama. I don't know, but the second time, the third time, fourth time, fifth time, suddenly this text came. And I knew God was up to something. Would you lay, why John? So I was reading this text. Why John? Why was it not Jesus' family? Why was John entrusted to take care of what was the most valuable to Jesus? When it comes to my mama, I'm a mama's boy, by the way. <laughs> Earlier today, mom, they are in Spain. She's getting good tan. <laughs> I'm staying in touch with my mom. I'm a mama's boy, 56 years old, constantly after my mom. I'm just, uh, dad too, I have a great dad. But I'm saying that there's this thing about mama. But I was thinking, if something were to happen, who would I want to take care of my mother? So Jesus is wrestling there on the cross. Like Papa Jack is wrestling. It's not that I don't see heaven and what I need to do, but I just need someone to take care of what is most valuable to me. And I knew when he was asking me the thing that was the most painful. And I realized then in the next moment, he, he kind of showed me when he says, follow me. And I left everything and he called me and I was among the crowd. And there's crowds among Jesus tonight and tomorrow we're going to have another crowd. Then I remember what Dr. Randy Clark prayed for me. I'm just laying on the floor on my yoga mat. I don't do yoga, but I have this mat that Mike and I travel with so that hotel floors are not always clean, so I can do my exercises and soaking. 
So I, I was laying down on the mat. I'm just resting there and I'm getting this clear. Then I remember when Randy Clark prayed for me, June 6, 1995. You went from being among the crowd to send out with signs, wonders, and miracles. Oh, I remember the baptism of love. I, do. I got to be among the 12. So among all the people, Jesus had the 12. Say 12. But all the 12, there was also three among the 12 that got to experience at least four things according to the scriptures that the rest of the 12 didn't. And what was their name? Peter, James, and one more time. So here we have three. Wow. And then among those three, there was that one. John the Beloved. What is it about this guy? And what I realize. What among the three? Do you remember the Mount on Transfiguration? When Jesus invited him up and the glory was there, there was that Peter, James, John. And he took me to Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. The first time the glory came in. And none of us could move. The glory came in. And he took me to all these glory encounter, my Mount of Transfiguration. I was so honored that he's invited me to experience the glory round, the mountain transfiguration. And I had the first baptism of love, and this was the second one also, where the baptism of love, this is my beloved son. But this time also they listened to him. And so there's this, ah, something. But why is he start to bother me with his John guy? If you read a book of Matthew, Matthew never says, I'm the one that he loves. <laughs> read a book of Mark. Mark never said, in my culture, don't say that. Among all of you people here in Austin, I'm his favorite one. You say, what about me? You can be one too. If you have what John had. It has nothing to do with exclusivity. But it was different level of love that they've experienced. And then I realized that John is experiencing something with Jesus that I have not experienced. I realized that my life, my calendar is so full. I'm doing so many different things. I'm doing all these different events. So I wouldn't be the candidate if something were to happen that I could reorganize my life. John had to change his apostolic calendar. Remove everything that is around us starts to host and take care of what was the most valuable to Jesus. Behold, mother, this is your son. What about James, his brother? Half, according to culture, according to tradition, why John? Would you like to know the secret and what I found out that day on the floor? I got oil backing in my tank. I realized that he's asking me. He's inviting me into something. And recently, maybe tomorrow, we see that second part of that. But I just, I feel this is an invitation for us. We've had different experience with him. I don't know where you're at in your journey. I don't know what keeps you back. The good news for me is that John used to be a chair number two disciple. Hey, let's get fire from heaven to stop the ones that don't accept you. The one that vote, don't vote the way that I vote. So, so John had that, and I, I, there's this thing, but somehow in the journey with John, with Jesus, I want you to capture something. I had had a baptism of love experience. The 12 had experienced how much Jesus loved them. They'd been around. And let me just put the scripture verse to in John 13, verse 34 to 35. This is not just a great commandment, but in this, is a, this is the new commandment. And in the new commandment, he said, as, as, I, as I have loved you, you love one another. And that's how Austin, the homosexual community, Muslims, Hindu, whoever, 
That's how they're going to see who I am because the way you love one another. Well, Jesus, but... And then Jesus says, well, there's going to be a time where there's a lot of shaking going on in chair three and two around the wall, but in the middle of all of that, there's shaking. And Peter's like, hey, if everybody else leaves, not me. Ah, Peter, your intention is good, but not your direction. And tomorrow you're going to see, and hopefully we will visit the fire that God wants to give you before the Pentecost fire that he's sending. Because there's a fire that makes you burn brightly without burning out. Because you're burning oil, oil, oil of intimacy with your lover. Are you guys okay? I'm just giving you this journey. So I started to look at the life of John and I looked at these different scriptures and I'm laying on the floor now and I'm just starting to think. And the first thing he says, and I want you to know identity. Say identity. And I want you to capture this. John loved John the way Jesus loved John. Maybe you even yesterday experienced how much the Father loves you. But when you look in the mirror, do you see you the way that he sees you? Your renewed mind, are you thinking his thoughts towards you? Or is there any other thoughts? It's not just how much he loves you, but are you at one moment? Are you in covenant? Are you actually loving you? And how is that manifested in every area of your life? So John, I want you to know, Jesus was a lion in heaven who became a lamb so that we could become lambs that become lion. The hypostatic union or kenosis, he left heaven, he came down to this earth. The way he washed Judas' feet, the one that was about to deny him, the one that was about to betray him, I mean, the way Jesus, as I have loved you, you love one another. And then eventually John goes on this journey, this lion and everything else and wants to defend Jesus and wants to do these things. We're going to change the world kind of a thing. But the more he spent time with the lamb, they want the lion. They want somebody to rule and reign until he meets a lamb. And the lion of this fire from heaven guy meets this lamb and something starts to happen with him. And eventually he starts experiencing more and more, not just how much Jesus loves him, but then eventually he gets to the point well, John was the only one at that moment. A few weeks ago, I captured that Peter also got it before Pentecost. But John comes in and suddenly this whole environment has changed. And John loved John the way Jesus loved John. Six times in his gospel, as inspired as John 3.16. By the Holy Spirit. I am the one he loved. To him, the disciple Jesus loved. The disciple who Jesus loved leaned into over and over. Six times in the gospel, John says it about John. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I used to think, wow, there's something. We are Norwegian. We don't do that. We don't say that. We don't. No, I just realized that there's an invitation to something that I have not yet reorganized my life to host. And there's something that he cannot entrust me with because according to how comfortable you are with love is how comfortable you are with God. And when you have love deficiency, you have God deficiency. 
And it is not just experiencing how much he loves you. It is in the moment when you're experiencing that love and you choose to be in agreement and covenant with a covenant keeping God and say yes and amen to the love that he has towards you. And you choose to love you. And sometimes that looks like boundaries. Sometimes that looks like saying no. Sometimes that looks like something. But I tell you something, at the moment you start to love you the way that he loves you, there's a new love. And you say that's selfish. No, that's selfless. That's placing yourself in an offering plate and saying, I know what those radical Muslims deserve. Put that on me so they can become free. So say when we say identity. Say, I am the one that he loves. Say, I choose to love me. The way Jesus loves me. The way my father loves me. The secret of Jesus, I said it last night, Jesus loved Jesus the way the Father loved Jesus. Number two, say with me, say intimacy. Oh, I love that. Oh, excuse me. Papa. There's a revelation in the apostolic upper room. One of you are about to betray me. <gasps> the whole room is, who is it, Peter? Ready with his sword. Where's my sword guy? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we need to give you some sword. Where, who is it? We're going to stand up for you, pastor. Come on, let's raise up the warriors. Do we have any lion here? Oh, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then John, who had spent time with the lamb. He used to be a lion. They became a lamb. Later on, he became a lion. Oh, wow. Wow. And other people may say, this is the revelation of Antichrist. He said, no, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he gets the future of the things to come. That's going to be the last point. So this is going on. The people have questioned. But John does something. The Bible says he leaned into the bosom. He, he leans. He puts his head. He puts his chest into Jesus. He puts his head in. His ears gets warm. His ear gets warm. His ear gets warm by the heartbeat of Jesus. Whoa! Baba! Intimacy from the identity. Say identity. Can you guys see me or do I have to go up again? I just like it here. Intimacy. John knew and in the middle of the season, this is going on in America. Here's what's going on with the economy. Here's what's going on. Do you know at that moment, just going into that secret place and put your head against his chest and feel his heartbeats towards you and the rhythm of your heart will start to beat with his heartbeat. Your ears get warm by the heart of the lover of your life. So there's a lot of people asking questions, but John leaned for the answer. And then eventually the chaos come in and there's been chaos in the last couple of years. And in the middle of all the chaos and in the middle of the shaking, suddenly that when they're coming to get to Jesus and he said that you're going to betray me and never, not me. You look at me, I would never do that. And tomorrow I'm going to deal with that. But wow, I would never do that. Or oh, before the rooster crow, three times you would do no Come on, we are warriors here. But your emotional tank is down. And he pushes the button, you're going into chair two. 
And at that moment in the middle of the storm, they come to get to Jesus. And everybody runs, except for Renee, women and John. So you ladies, thank you. So when the cross comes along and I'm laying on the mat on the floor and I'm seeing this picture of Jesus. I'm just being so overwhelmed by this picture. <laughs> because in the next moment, I'm reminded by in India, this Hindu that ran up to the screen during the Jesus film and he hit on that screen during the crucifixion scene and said, Jesus, Jesus, come down from there. I'm the one that's supposed to be on that cross. Jesus. That's what I felt. I laid on that floor and I saw John. He's coming to and you see the most brutal, gruesome act. As they're watching the lover of his life. This guy's changed my life. He's the lamb. I'm the guilty. He's the innocent. I would take his place. And Jesus just looks at him. He's like, John, don't do anything. And he's there. And some of you have had a Friday moment in your life. Lately, it's been a Friday moment. It looks like everything is dying. And a lot of people, we would like a resurrection in our culture without crucifixion. I just have to say, the fellowship of his suffering, you can't have a Sunday without a Friday. And so many of us, we would like to run and skip over that. Let's just skip. There is grace. But he takes us back to those most painful moments. That's the moment of betrayal. That's the moment of loss. I have, I'm not saying anything about tattoos, but I have some tattoos that just are the people that have died because I carry them with me as a memory stone. So that day I'm sitting there thinking about Papa Jack. I'm thinking about Bob. I'm thinking about Todd. Think about all the losses. I'm alone here in the middle of all of this. So I'm putting all of this together that here John is there at the cross. Life, would you be the one at the cross or would you run? Well, you see that when they said a little thing on Facebook about you. And you get offended. How can you hurt a dead person? Uh, how can you humiliate somebody that is humble? I'm coming back to Friday. When he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. And then some of us in this season, like John, he experiencing a long Saturday. The rest of them too, they're hiding in an upper room in fear. What has happened to Jesus is going to happen to me. But John is there waiting on the Saturday. And some of you have had two years. Some of you have had 10 years. And you're just waiting and waiting. But Sunday has not come here. But John didn't take his eyes. When you cannot see, when you cannot hear, you cannot feel, you're just having a long Saturday. And you have the hope, you have the word, you have the prophecy. But it looks like a debt to a vision. But there is resurrection. After the sunset, there is a sunrise. After winter season, springtime is coming. Why am I sharing this word? It was not planned before I started to warm up. But it just came to me because I feel that God wants you to take care of what is most valuable to him. I feel that he has invited you to host something, to steward something individually. And I need to get back to reorganizing my life a little bit more. Because what is coming The Bible says that he took Mary, but a little humor. Now I'm on the floor in Colorado. In a moment, I can kind of, I'm getting alive because revelation is coming. 
I know this is an invitation for me to change something about my life, to get some more margins of my life. And then there's just been attack. And just recently, again, I feel this is again me coming back to, I need to say no to something so I can say yes to that. Including Mama Frida, who we have, that we are taking care of. Would you take care of what is most valuable to him? The last picture, and we're going to land with this. And this time, John is on the island of Patmos. Actually, the story before, I could see John was there and made a little stew for Mary. And they're sitting together. And the Catholics in Rwanda a few weeks ago, they loved. Because they had not even thought about who would take care of their Holy Mother Mary. And I described John and why John and asked them. And the presence just hit those Catholics. There was just touch, including a lot of priests getting saved, <laughs> nuns being saved and healed. It was just a beautiful move of God's spirit in the Catholic churches around in Rwanda as he was healing and he was restoring. He was bringing to a Friday where they became free. Friday, you become free, free from self. Saturday, you learn how to trust and Sunday, you're experiencing the power and the resurrection and the life. And then uh, in one moment I could see, I'm just kind of using the humor here because how would it look like? Hey, John is starting to ask Mary some question. Mary, tell me something. How did it feel when you were changing the diaper of God for the first time? (laughs) And I start to laugh. I'm getting all these weird thoughts. I'm on the floor. I'm coming and my emotional tank comes up again. I'm having an encounter. And I started to laugh. Joy is coming because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And the next question I'm having, like, hey, how did it feel when Jesus, I mean, here he is playing basketball. And whoa. And every single time, the, the team players coming and saying, we're always losing because there's that one player that's like playing against God himself. <laughs> and this boy said, I don't want to play with Jesus anymore. He always thinks he is right. <laughs> I'm just having this wow moment. And this was the message that I was sharing with him that afternoon, by the way. Totally fresh, raw. And I just knew, what do we need to reorganize in this season so that we can steward and take care of what is the most valuable to him? What is it that he's reorganizing in our cities, in the nation? And what can we do? And I feel like what he's wanted to do in the last picture here, and I am landing this nine minutes and 50 seconds, and you're picking up your children, and then you can bring them back. But i just sensing that, I call it maybe a baptism of love 2.0. The 1.0 is when Jesus was affirmed by the Father. He just experienced how much the Father loved him, and he always lived from that place. When you see Papa God the way he sees you, and you love you the way Papa God loves you, will you have an A plus before you take the exam? But a 2.0 version is when you love you the way that he loves you. And then you can, somebody will lay his life down for you. Someone will wash your feet at your worst moment. And then he said, as I have loved you, that's how we're going to start to love one another. And that's going to create a tsunami wave of love. So the world, so the city of Austin is going to see who we are. Because they've encountered, they have experienced that love. The last picture of John, he's an old man. The historian says he was on Alexandria and he was about to be boiled. They said even when they tried to boil him, he lived. Because lovers, love continues, it never gives up. 
And then later on, when he's on the island of Patmos, he's old and his long beard. That was the last vision I had that day on the floor. And John is there. He's looking up towards heaven. And suddenly at this moment, it is not just a child in a manger. It was not a guy, just a child in a manger. It was not just this Jesus that he had followed. Here you have a cosmic Christ who rules and reigns the universe that sees this friend on the island of Patmos and he's heading towards the universe. Open up the curtain and reveal himself. And John says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then he starts to describe the future of the things to come. In chair two, you would say, this Antichrist is getting dark and earthquakes and famines and rumor. But here you see who he is. Here you're being distracted by what God is not doing because you don't see what God is doing. And John saw him and there I saw him. Wow, in one moment I looked and there's the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when I looked at the lion, it became a lamb. In the book of Revelation, there's 24 times the lamb is mentioned and only one time the lion. And that only time you look at the lion, it becomes a lamb. Don't underestimate the power of the lamb. The blood of the lamb. The apostleship is built up on the lamb. And I just feel that John is teaching us something. Can we stand to our feet? We maybe can do that tomorrow. If any of you are led to, we're going to have some information out there. But I'm in a season where pastor asked me earlier and we were sitting with a group of people and they said, how do you prioritize with all the things that's going on? And I said, I'm in a difficult state. But i just saying that if some of you feel led to be partnering some of the things we do to take this to the Muslim world, I cannot tell you about some of the things that is taking place right now, but we have this uncommon favor. And we just were talking. I felt just, so I'm just saying that uh, there will be a slide up there later. But just if you're sensing that, I want to text that and be part of that. This is just between you and the Holy Spirit. There's no begging. It's just I feel like my assignment, that's one of the things that I knew. I was tired. And I just placed myself in the offering plate again. And back to that love. But I've dedicated my love. I dedicated my life. That was me taking care. But I've asked them, can I do that and still enjoy when there's grandkids? And so you have to show me a different way of reorganizing my life so that. But I put myself in the offering plate and the people that know my life that are going into some of those places that I've been entrusted with, including the 20 million women and girls behind the veil now in Afghanistan and the winter they are facing. So. I'm in the offering plate there. So if somebody senses that, I just wanted to give that. But that's one of my areas that I know that I need to say yes. But what is some of the area? First of all, the question number one. Do you love you the way Jesus loves you? As, as I have loved when Jesus saw a John, even with his temper, a little lion, he's not upset with that because he knows that this John is going to be on a journey with me. Would you be the one at the cross? He's looking at you and she said, well, I, you heard my story yesterday. I have addiction or I had his brokenness. I spent 11 years on opiates. I've had broken neck. Bro and you can come up with all those excuses. But the beautiful thing about this cross, he took all of that. And that's not who you are any longer. 
You become a new creation. You're a beloved son and daughter. A royal son and daughter. But do you love you the way that he loves you? Will you forgive you? I want, I just felt that was for somebody. Will you forgive you? But what I did, I did it again. Excuse me. Will you forgive you the way that he forgives you? Could I get just the worship team up? This is my consecration. We talked about it a little earlier, Mike and I, as we were praying. But I just felt this is an invitation. But there's something amazing that God is doing in this city. There's something that he's going to do in our life. And out of that, it's going to be a wave of love hitting our marriages, hitting our children. It's going into the businesses, into government. And it's going to touch this place. And it is a prototype for what God wants to do. And some of you have been distracted what the enemy is doing here in the city because you don't see what God is doing. That God is at work here. And he believes there's, my heart would be, my heart is that this is going to be all these Johns. I'm not talking, but there's, there's not just one John. It's all these Johns. I want to be a John. John got what John got, but he also got what the three got. He got what the 12, what the 72, and he got the future of the things to come. And I knew that that's going to be my invitation first in my life. So I first repent for any priority of anything in my life and Especially for me, I struggle to love me. I'm struggling to say no. And many times I don't take the gas mask on myself. I put it on everybody else. And I don't take the time to breathe myself because I thought that was selfish. Well, he says, no, it's selfless. So I'm just going to ask right now. And some of you now in the next moment with all the chaos going on in your life, your invitation is to come and lean into the beloved and your intimacy. There's fruitfulness that just comes from intimacy. The best of who you are will only be found in Him. So if you want to consecrate yourself today, just present yourself as a living sacrifice. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX dot com.